How you doing, my friend? We had to take a few days off, but we're back on. Yeah, that's that's how it goes these days. You just got to roll with it. Don't don't try to have a plan. I've always said a plan is one of those things. It's just a series of events that don't actually happen the way you want them to. That's right. So stop making it. We'll get into that. All right, let's let's uncork it, my man. All right. Bottle of Brown podcast. I'm your host, Danny Paul. With me, as always, is the vice host, Leon Coventry. Leon. What's up, Danny? I got good energy tonight. I feel good. All right. You it's look be a good. good one. You look good. Thanks. You feel good. I feel good. I didn't do day drinking all day, so I should I should uh, be able to articulate my words and thoughts Tasty. today. Well, I hope you didn't do any day drinking. We're recording this on a Monday. <laughs> that, that would be yeah. interesting. <laughs> yeah, then then I'd have to go to meetings, I think. <laughs> Who does that? <laughs> How does that work anyway? Do, do they do AA over Zoom? That's an interesting question. <laughs> what if they run into that Chevy Chase problem from Spies Like Us? Hello, my name is Danny. I'm an ick. So I must go. Microphone's getting out of us, Martha. Sorry. Oh, I have an important... Drink date. So I must go. So instead of saying, uh, are there any Paraguayans? You're going to say, uh, are there any alcoholics? <laughs> are there any alcoholics here? No? Well. <laughs> uh, words to that effect. All right, man, well, good, good week for you. you. How you doing? Oh, yeah. it's it, It's been a good week. It's uh, it's going to be a, another good week. So I'm, I'm off, off and running. The weather feels good. I'm in, I got good spirits and good energy pumped we got some new sound gear we're playing with if it sounds a little bit different for those of you listening at home we got some new pop filters so peter piper picked a peck of pickle peppers you probably won't be able to tell because we got new gear oh my wife loves loves distracting me while i'm doing this but i'm still with you i'm still with you job that's her job tell her this is a closed set (laughs) so what's your brown today brown for today my friend is evan williams oh Kentucky's first distiller, Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey, distilled in Kentucky, bottled by Old Evan Williams Distillery, Bardstown, Kentucky. That's the right state. These are in these quaint little plastic airplane bottles because on one of our previous conversations, you said, oh, it's great. It's just like the real thing. And I don't know that they sell this in plastic. You know, it's a good question because there's a quite a few, when I was uh, trying to get minis on board in my former position mm-hmm. we actually we liked the glass anything in a glass because it presents well mm-hmm. but we don't like glass because they're dangerous when they shatter and they're heavier so you have you have to pick your poison on which one you'd rather go with so i actually preferred plastic when it came to uh the logistics of everything but they mm-hmm. certainly don't present as well uh, clients can get rowdy on the plane right that's right so I hear. Uh, tonight, with my prophecy. Yeah, what is your brown, sir? <laughs> tonight, my brown is Baker's Seven, Ooh. and it's got a really fun 
top on it. Yeah. And uh, got, got a nice couple block lettering on there. Yeah. Baker's, you know why I went with Baker seven? A couple of reasons. One, for Val, our Valiversary, because uh, we celebrate a, our anniversary two days later or three Indeed. days later. Indeed. And uh, so we just do it all at once. And my wife had the brilliant idea of doing the a bourbon tasting since we'll, we'll keep it, we'll keep it COVID friendly and, and keep it in house and go out and buy a, something you haven't tried before. And we'll do a, a bourbon tasting. So this is what I picked up because I honestly, I felt really bad after last week's show and I ripped apart the big whiskey conglomerates and said that they don't, I felt after re-listening to my words that <laughs> I insinuated that maybe they're not as good at making bourbon. Uh, and so that isn't true when it comes to uh, Baker seven, Baker seven is actually um, part of the, the bigger Jim, uh, not, I'm sorry, not Jim Bean. Uh, yeah. The Jim Bean, the Jim Bean family. And they, they make a couple really good ones that people don't even realize they're, they're coming out of the Jim Bean family there it's uh, basil hayden if you've ever had that i have knob creek mm -hmm. and uh, and bookers it's a pretty good one so they're, they're they 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 do make some really good high end i i consider high end bourbon out of there and so i hadn't tried the baker 7 it's 107 proof beautiful bottle runs you around 50 60 bucks depending on where you go mm -hmm. uh, and i'll tell you it's pretty darn good uh, this one was surprise. This was a surprise, and and uh, the the wife felt the same way about that. That this was the big winner of the night. It's got a really smooth start and like a spicy finish, but it's not like a Kentucky hug finish. It doesn't make it you feel like you know you you can light your mouth on fire. But it mm -hmm. it's delicious, and uh, every drink you have gets a little bit better with this stuff. So big fan of it. Go out and and try a bottle of Baker Seven. Okay. Uh, mine's got a bit of a hug to it, so I'm hoping it'll mellow out as we continue on our journey together. I, I would say I got two more bottles of this, so I'm obviously going to have it again. Um, but I may I may hold off on this one until later just to vary my palate, so to speak. What I wanted to finish with is these guys are plastic, but the Jameson Irish Whiskey airplane bottles that I'm saving for our St. Patty show were glass. Hmm. And do you have a preference? No, I don't. Uh, yeah. I want to say that the flavor profile is affected by plastic. And I'm sure these guys have been heated and cooled and heated and cooled as they've traveled the grocery store distribution supply chain. So it's difficult for me to get into flavor when you pay a dollar for it. <laughs> I was gonna say. Under normal circumstances, though, I, I would say it would matter. But, you know, yeah. if you chill it down enough, you get a little bit of nip on the finish. And it's uh, an overall pleasing experience, regardless, once you have a flavor for it. Yeah. Well, I, I'm i with you. That's I, my take. That's my take. I kind of I, I kind of compare it a little bit to the to the barbecue enthusiasts out there there. Oh, you know, if you're going to make if you're going to make anything on a grill, you better use charcoal. Well, I, OK, it, it, it definitely changes the flavor profile. But is it worth the pain in the ass? And the answer to that for me is almost always. No, no, it's not not worth it. Absolutely. 100 <laughs> percent. Cook on charcoal. Good on you. My gas grill with the proper seasoning does the job. Is That's it right. better? Maybe not. Is it a second, close second? I would say so. 
<laughs> yeah, and I, I encourage anybody with an egg or whatever the heck they're they're out there Weber and actually Weber. Have you ever been to a Weber's Grill? I don't know if they have them up in the New England area. I but they went definitely to have one a... in Chicago. That they had, that's a good I, one, and I believe I yeah. went to one in Indianapolis. Both good ones. Very okay. good. Those are two I've been to as well. Awesome. Pretty good. Pretty See? good, right? And you could taste, you could smell the charcoal outside when you walk into one of those places. I got to say, if we're going to go between natural gas, charcoal, or wood, wood probably gives me the best steak, although wood's usually reserved for pizza. Is that a clip that I can cut up later and use against you in horrible ways? Possibly. <laughs> if, I take, if I take that same clip out of context, that's hilarious. <laughs> Which you probably will, because this is all digital now. This is how we roll. Tell me again how much you like wood. I believe it must be <clears throat> firm, dense, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, slide in, satisfying wood. No branches, no stems. Really, just a solid trunk. Because that right, burns folks, the best it's been fun. <laughs> you certainly don't want pellets, right? You want to. Oh, I love it! I All love right. it. Brown news. Brown news. Brown news. Is this brown? That's what we ought to get the Bud Light guy to do. Have the Bud Light guy do our brown news segment. Oh, you know, what? what is that uh, app that's out there right now where you can pay people to do stuff for you? Oh, uh, uh, celebrities? Cameo or something. Cameo, that's right. Oh, yeah. if we can find him Call on Cameo. Guy. <laughs> Call the Bud Light guy. Because it was time for brown news. Brown news! Yeah! Oh. All right. I, that's, I'm going to make that I my know, That would make you mission. moist, wouldn't it? Oh, right. action item for you, my friend. Yes. We wanted to talk about in our brand new segment, we wanted to talk about the three tier system. Now I grabbed some information on the Wikipedias, but do you have something that you want to do to reference the three tier system? Or do you have something that you would prefer to discuss during the brand news segment? Uh, no, I, th- I do think we should talk about the three tier system because we mentioned it in the last couple um, podcasts. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I do also want to have like a follow up story on uh, the scotch decline. Like we talked about all the all the the Browns crushing it in 2020. But the one uh, that yeah, didn't your scotch. state by state report. Yeah. So I, I you know, I have. I have a follow-up on scotch and kind of where that's going and, awesome. and how they feel about it. So yeah, let's, let's just jump into the three tier system and we'll, we'll end with that. It only, only take a couple minutes. Roll with it, my friend. Follow up. All right. So, yeah. So, so I, I got an article that I thought was fascinating and uh, since we, since we touched on it, I thought I, I would follow up. So Scotch whiskey es- exports fell by 23% in 2020, which is fascinating, right? Cause everything else really went up and you have to kind of wonder what's going on. So it says the Scotch Whis- whiskey association has revealed that exports of Scotch whi- whiskey declined by 23% in 2020, representing a 1.1 billion pound or dollar 1.5 billion dollar drop in sales and that's the lowest figures it's been in a decade so you got to wonder what the heck's going on and the guess. article goes yeah you got a guess i'd love to hear it is it the almighty tariff it actually it, that's not what they're calling out in here they're they're throwing up um out over there in in the uk they're asking for relief they say this is directly related to all the covid restrictions that have been put in place they cite that uh now that the airlines 
have uh, severely been dropped in and out of the country and a, a huge part of their sales uh, happened in those duty-free stores and and other things uh, of that nature where the travel industry were, were big consumers of the scotch. Here's my call out for that. Um, pivot, scotch, pivot. What the heck are you doing? If everybody else has figured out that this is the time to sell your stuff and you can't figure that out, they, no one should bail them out. They should feel this pain. Like, how did you, how did you mess this up? Everybody is stuck in their house, bored, wanting to get drunk. And somehow you had the worst industry loss in the last 10 years. Nobody else did, you know, bourbon, bourbon picked up on it, pivot people, people that are making um, liquor out there over here. They, what did they do? They switched quickly and they made, uh, anything that needed to be made over here, you know, a lot of the big distilleries, you know, Tito's Vodka and obviously Buffalo Trace and all, and makers, they were all making a, a ton of their own alcohol because they needed it. But at the same time, they were making the rubbing alcohol and uh, whatever it needed for hand sanitizer. So they were pivoting. If you want to be successful, you know, you can blame, blame the pandemic if you want to, but at the end of the day, you got it. You got to be able to figure out how you're going to take this lemon and turn it into lemonade, if that makes sense. So makes that's, that's sense. my two cents on it. What do, you, what do you think about it? So based on what you're telling me that there's excuse was we had supply chain problems because of the virus. Uh, I Okay. Uh, I was reading something that just missed the cutoff for Brown News this week. There's a statute in Japan that now is going to pass that says if it's Japanese whiskey, it has to be made in Japan. So since the 80s, you could get something that's bottled in Japan that's not Japanese, and they call it Japanese whiskey. So if you're having supply problems in your native British Isles, just make scotch over here or make scotch wherever you need to do it, you know, onshore it. So yeah, I, I would say either pivot, find something else to do, or you know, loosen the rules a little bit. Yeah, in the article, they do talk about quite a few things and they do call out the tariffs. They said that, you know, 15% of their losses are due to the punishing 25% increase in tariffs on single malt whiskey in, in the U.S. Look, we're, we're big consumers, but they could get it. I mean, come on. Everybody's looking to, to drink. They could have figured that one out. So I just feel like it's a... I, th I just don't think they were on their game and they just didn't figure out quick enough and they weren't agile enough to, to capitalize on this. And Hey, if <laughs> you know, you, you need, you need some youth in on your board over there, Mr. Mr. Walker, you need, you need to bring oh, some, don't, some don't new... come after my Diageo. I'm not coming after your Sazerac. <laughs> Uh, they need, need, they need new, somebody in there. Need a new, precisely branded blend. So go scrape up whatever's left out there. Put some peat in there. Cook it and bottle it. Is what you're saying? Yes. Yes. That's what I'm saying. So, I'm saying it too. Excellent job. Yeah. So so let's talk about the three tier system. How about it? Three tier. All right. So I went to the Wikipedia's because I wanted to know more about this. So you spent some time in the quote unquote control states. 
Now, mm-hmm. I was born in a control state, but I lived the majority of my life uh, either in California or Arizona. It's just not a controlled state. So I don't really care so much. You, you, you could get whatever you want anywhere. You could get it after eight o'clock. You can get it on Sundays. You don't have to worry about where you go. It's available everywhere. So the idea of a controlled state made me do a bit of a deep dive. I started finding out more about how bootlegging led to NASCAR. I started finding out more about why certain regulations have forced us to live in the 20s and 30s. I started to learn all kinds of things about uh, the Kennedy clan is in politics because Joe Kennedy was a bootlegger. And so you, you learn all kinds of fun things about the history of alcohol in the 20th century. To put it simply, according to the Wikipedia's, Three-tier system of alcohol distribution is the system for distributing alcoholic beverages set up in the United States after the repeal of prohibition. The three tiers are importers or producers, distributors, and retailers. So pause right there. One of these doesn't belong. Remember Sesame Street? <laughs> the basic structure One of the of these system things are not like the others. That's, that's, that's precisely right, my friend. The basic structure of the system is that producers can sell their products only to wholesale distributors who then sell to retailers, and only retailers may sell to consumers. Producers include brewers, winemakers, distillers, and importers. The three-tier system is intended to prohibit tied houses and prevent disorderly marketing conditions, which if you smell it, you're right. You stepped in it. It's bullshit. Yep. Now, anybody who's in the distribution business, good on you. You're making a profit. Run it as long as you can. But don't think for a second that you're needed. Anytime you are the middleman in any given transaction chain and you don't add any value anywhere, you're irrelevant. Well, and I'd like to make a call out to that. And I actually have someone in my extended family that's on the distribution side and i would love to get their thoughts on why it's necessary there must be something going on other than just a transfer of money uh that makes us leave this alone i can't i can't figure out why a middleman is necessary especially with the groundbreaking things that are going on with direct shippers and micro batches and everything else that needs to happen we've we've literally on these uh control states we've cut our nose off despite our face because we don't those states don't have the opportunity to try a lot of the things the other ones are because they have to belong in this very exclusive distribution club in which they are the keepers of how much and what comes in and out of the state. Shouldn't it be the consumers that dictate that, not some third-party distributor? Yeah, I'm I'm 100% with you there. There is no free invisible hand of capitalism in this one. It reminds me of how Tesla got kicked out of Jersey because they refused to have dealerships. It sounds yeah. like a lot of unnecessary structure and graft. And, and I, I understand I might be making some people upset because they feel that this system is necessary, although I haven't found any evidence. So if you are listening to the podcast and you want to sound off on this particular topic, it's bottleofbrown at gmail.com. Please drop us a line, state your case. We'll talk about it. We'll feature you on the show. Yeah, I'd, I, I would absolutely love to hear it. And I, I think that there is something there. We're just not seeing it. And I'd, I'd love to hear the other side of the story. Hot damn. All right. That wraps up uh, Brown News. Bad News. We'll be right back. 
All right. Uh, we're now moving on to headlines. Oh, we need a headlines jingle. We do need a headlines jingle. We're going to Can we have a con- an online contest for the oh, headlines be jingle? so awesome. Anybody want to submit a headlines jingle, bottle of brown at gmail.com. You can email Leon or you can email Danny. All emails are welcome. And the All interwebs right. are freezing on us. No interwebs. Stop it. All right. Well, I'm going to do this one from memory while we wait for the computers to pop up. Murdertrend.com. 2021 Ford F-150 Power Boost Hybrid powering Texas homes during winter weather. You got anybody in Texas? You know anybody over there? I do know some people in Texas suffering in the ice storms. Uh, yeah, I don't know that they're all suffering. Hold on. What is happening right now? <laughs> this is a close set. Take is, is the bourbon lady trying to get on the air? Because put her on mic. You don't want to see. You don't want to see what's going on there. I probably don't. Is it part of our parenting uh, segment? It might be. Um, the okay. Well, what are we talking about? <laughs> this world is too distracting. Okay. Yes, I do know. Yeah, I know. I still, I do know people in Texas. Um, you know what I, you know, I read an article that somebody posted about the power crisis going on over there right now. Is that, uh, and, so, and some of the bills are actually coming in at $17,000. Have you heard this? Yeah. So it's an aging infrastructure because Texas relied on awesome weather. And so they just said, you know, we're just going to keep pumping oil out of the ground and life's good and screw you, we're Texas. You know, Lone Star's Texas State. I know people from Texas. I love them. They're lovable people, but they are Texans. Like it's, if there were going to be one star pulled off the flag to do its own thing, it's Texas. Like they are legit. We can handle this. So to see this just slap them in the face is one, depressing, but two, in typical Texas fashion, what you see on the screen is what they did. A 2021 F-150 power boost with a 7.2 kilowatt onboard generator is what people use to plug into their houses to power their refrigerators, their lights. Like this is Texas ingenuity right here. <laughs> Another truck comes to save the day. <laughs> I think it's genius. It's, 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 Brilliant. it's a feel good story so that you don't have to worry about boiling your water and dealing with local politicians who tell you to suck it up. That's, that is hilarious. I honestly don't understand how Texas got so caught off guard by this whole thing years ago. If you, if you remember, there was a massive ice storm right around Super Bowl time that caused mm-hmm. a disaster down there, right as it was going to Jerry's world. And I thought, I thought on that day, like, how are the Super Bowl? The, I will tell you that Super They've Bowl is nailed by the, hurricanes. It, there's tornadoes right. down there. It's such a well-oiled machine. It's orchestrated by the most brilliant people years in advance. Super Bowl will be out in LA next year. And I assure you, they've been planning for this for years and they know exactly what's going to happen if uh, there happens to be a tsunami earthquake <laughs> that's going on out there. They know exactly what's going to happen if it happens to be one of the five days it rains in Southern California. They know all about what their protocols are going to be. But for whatever reason, when the Super Bowl was there and ice and snow came and hit <laughs> the city of Dallas, the whole world shut down. Like they didn't know what the heck was going on. And they had to start importing trucks in from North Northern Oklahoma and everything to come in and try to shovel and bail them out. I just, again, 
to me, you shouldn't be shocked by things that happen over and over. Fool me once. Shame yeah. on me. Yeah. Well, Texans are clearly tropical people and they don't handle the snow. So a quote from the article, Texas is in a Texas sized pickle this week. You may have heard about its power and water infrastructure utterly collapsing during the coldest, iciest, snowiest week there in decades. Millions of Texans are without electricity. Many are without consistent water thanks to burst pipes and water lines. Staying warm is suddenly a top priority for citizens used to relaxed, spring-like winter temperatures and searing hot summers. For one, at least one Texan, the 2021 Ford F-150 Power Boost Hybrid has stepped up to help. And there's a picture from the Twitters of a guy that literally plugged his house into the bed of his pickup truck. As detailed on F-150Gen14.com user forum, a user in the lower half of Texas says they lost power for three days while neighbors set up a conventional backup generator to keep their critical home functions rolling. This guy... Busted out his Ford F-150 Platinum Power Boost Hybrids truck, four-wheel drive, using the onboard power supply setup, which is powered by both the batteries and the engine as a generator. The owner ran extension cords from the pickup to their kitchen to power a few lights, a toaster oven, a space heater, and the fridge. Also powering a 75-inch TV, a coffee maker, and a freezer for 10 to 12 hours per day without using up a full tank of gas. Bravo, sir. <laughs> I heard that there was a survey a long time ago when Texans said uh, over 40% of Texans prefer their truck over their wives. And, 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 and this is one of those circumstances. I can I understand am. that. Today's <laughs> business, think- Texas. Serious business. They think my tractor sexy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, how, what does that happen when you play a country song backwards? Your dog comes back to life. Your wife comes home and your truck starts up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, classic. All right. What else so you got for us? Second, next headline. Got this one from the smithsonianmag.com. Smart news dash science. Cockroaches made for life. Their secret, mutual sexual cannibalism. Both males and females will munch on each other's wings after sex, a behavior that may encourage lifelong partnership. Well, okay. (laughs) Sexual cannibalism is well documented in insects and spiders like praying mantises or black widows. You know what praying mantises do, right? I I know that the women eat the men. Bite your head off, man. (laughs) In these cases, the females usually cannibalize the male. So only one partner benefits from this behavior because the other is dead. But a new study published in the journal Ethology suggests both mates can partake in what's called nuptial feeding and still live happily ever after together in sickness and in health without tragedy, or at least wood feeding cockroaches can. These love bugs are already monogamous, so they mate for life and never stray from the rotten log they call home sweet home to find anybody else to really seal the deal. The roaches devour each other's wings post-coitus, a behavior that could boost their ability to co-parent and raise more offspring, reports Joshua Rapp Learn for New Scientist. Thoughts? Wow, that... Okay, wow is my first initial thought. But I have a lot of other thoughts on that subject. One, uh, I think that we all are experiencing the same thing. It's just we don't have wings. Mm-hmm. Although I will tell you, if I had a tail, I would love it. I, I, <laughs> I shake my foot all the time. And I want people to know when I'm happy and sad. So I wish yeah, I could have it. I could get on a plane whenever I want. <laughs> 
you brought that out of the cellar. You have to explain that. <laughs> There's no way anybody but us knows what line you just said. All right, all right. So um, a dear friend that we wish we could hang out with. Jay Moore. Jay Moore used to do a very good Christopher Walken impersonation on what, Saturday Night Live? And then he started to incorporate it in his stand-up. In his stand-up, that's when I heard it, yeah. He was actually in a movie with Christopher Walken, and that was his dialogue with Christopher Walken on that movie that he was in. Um, I, I can't even remember the name of it. It was, the, it was when they kidnapped him and they tied him to a chair. So it was Kings or something, uh, Suicide mm -hmm. King, something like that. And so he's like, you know, Chris, what, what superpower would you have? And, you know, Chris was like, well, I'd have to, I'd have a tail. The dog's got a tail. You know, when the dog is happy, you know, when the dog's sad, it's his tail. His tail tells you everything. Yeah, but Chris, that seems like such a mediocre superpower. I mean, wouldn't you want to fly or, or something like Superman? Jay, get on a plane whenever I want. I don't have a tail. I know. Oh, you would know. So, yeah, I mean, it's all, all of Jay Moore's Christopher Walken impersonations are priceless. I've found some really, really nice choice, obscure ones. Like he jumped onto a morning radio show in New York or something. I think it was Opie and Anthony. And they were saying, all right, Chris is going to do dating advice. So, Chris, what would you play in a band? And he just rolls right in and he goes, my name's Chris. I play bass, four strings and the truth. <laughs> oh oh man, my God. My Thank Chris. you for that. Thank you for that. What um, would he, I mean, so what would, what would Chris Walken think of <laughs> having your wings chewed off after you ate my, you ate my wing. You ate my wing. You ate my wing. I'll eat your wing. <laughs> oh, you know, I, I, I'm going to go ahead and say it. How have we not cured cancer? Because we know enough <laughs> about the sexual activity of wood roaches. And yet we haven't cured cancer. Got it. Moving on. That's how I feel about that one. While researchers Danny. still do not fully understand why the roaches engage in this behavior, they suspect that the action occurs because it benefits both male and female insects while raising offspring, aids in their survival, and stems from their monogamy. Well, maybe they're just knocking it out. They're super hungry. <laughs> and that's what's there. Like, you can't blame them. Like sometimes you need a bowl of ice cream or a handful of Chex Mix after. I, get, I mean, think about it. If you if you have a mate and you have children, then you know what's a vasectomy ultimately. But don't go anywhere. It's kind of the same thing, right? <laughs> I mean, we can't really playing the human card. We can't exactly judge these roaches for what they're doing. I mean, <laughs> I think. I think uh, our our buddy our buddy Jones. I already asked if you know after after they have the baby if I can have the placenta so I can fire that up for breakfast one morning because I know that's a thing. Or the milk. And, the milk is a thing as well. Well, it is it is a thing, but I think it's rude to ask for 
Your wife's breast milk? I'm not sure about that. Oh, and, the, and the placenta is hey, totally hun, cool. Am I allowed to ask for that? Is that rude? Is asking for another woman's <laughs> breast milk rude? You're asking me? Yeah. Oh, you're asking me. Oh, okay. No, I mean, is allegedly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. Didn't, yes didn't is what I'm of, getting. Didn't get a lot of doubt. Placenta's okay. Offer her $100,000 Ah, so there is a price. Uh, there's always a price. <laughs> Thank you, Busty Bourbon Batch. Hashtag Instagram. <laughs> All right, my man, is there a way that you can open this other link? Because I got locked out of medium. Uh, the uh, signature drink. Um, I don't even have it open, so I should have it open, but I don't. So clearly we are going to hit pause here. This portion of the program will be edited for brevity. Editing. That's the best part about where is notes? Oh no, wait, that's a PowerPoint. Where's the live notes? Maybe while we're thinking about it, I can do this cockroach article in the voice of NFL films. <laughs> Wing loss is costly, but the event can also help them slim down to maneuver around in tight spaces within their home. Didn't we already hit 10 minutes in this segment anyway? It may also rid them of mites and mold that otherwise might infect their wings, which in turn protects their offspring from picking up any hitchhiker they were carrying. Oh, wait. If, if you're doing voices, uh, let me throw a couple at you and let's see what you come back with. While you're still looking for the link to the story? No, we're not going to. We're sticking with this and you're going to cut this up. It's going to be beautiful. This, this is... This is what... <laughs> You know what I always hated? Whenever we were playing Madden, the most annoying thing, and I love the guy, I love Pat Summerall, but the most annoying thing when you're playing Madden was always, New England comes out in a dime package. It's like, yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> Anything else? Oh, you, wait, I want, I want you to announce the coitus of these two roaches as if, you were a 1920s radio personality. <laughs> All right, I got to think about that for a sec. <laughs> Look, see, study co-author Haruki Osaki, a biologist at Kyushu University in Japan, first observed the wood-feeding roaches in the wild and noticed that some insects had missed or damaged wings, according to the New York Times. After further research, Osaki learned the wing damage did not occur from predation, but from roaches feasting on each other's wings in an act of mutual sexual cannibalism. That is incredible. If you haven't gone yet, go on down to your local government office and buy some war bonds. Keep those boys out there fighting and keep the flag flying strong. And this has been brought to you by Ovaltine. Amazing, amazing work. If you haven't yet, go on down and get yourself a card in the Laramie Slims. <laughs> Long, cool, full of flavor. <laughs> Your doctor smokes it. Why not you? Oh, my God, I'm dying. Oh, I love it. Well done. Yeah, I can't get it to come up. Well, 
Let's so see, what, who do we want to do? Because I got some more of this three tier system stuff up. But who do we want to do for the three tier system? Oh, well, I got a good one. Should we do Louis Anderson's Dead? <laughs> yes. They have various exceptions to the rule. The most prevalent one being the case of a brew pub, who's simultaneously a producer and retailer and has no requirement to sell to a distributor. Some states allow an entity to have a part in two of the tiers, letting small breweries act as their own distributor, for example. Back in the war, many states permit wineries to sell bottles of wine on site to customers. <laughs> oh, it's so good. It's so good. You got talent. You should be a Ninja Turtle. I love you, dude. That's awesome. Oh, here's a good one. Uh, let's see if you can pick up who I am now. Uh, similar use of a three-tier system is enforced for tobacco products in some jurisdictions. In June 2017, tobacco wholesalers proposed that a three-tier system also be imposed to recreational marijuana in Massachusetts. They argued that this would improve tax collection enforcement, Lois. I was going to say Peter. I was going to say Peter. Not bad. Why? Because I'm fit. I'm always fat around you, Lois. Don't you take your red hair and go out and clean the carpet? Giggity. He said carpet. <laughs> oh. Oh. I wonder I if the carpet. I wonder yeah, if the carpet. We can't go down the rabbit hole of Family Guy. There's just too much good stuff. I wonder if the carpet matches the pubes. No, that. <laughs> no, I know which one you're thinking of. Uh, Peter and Lois start wrestling. And then at one point, Lois gets on top and she starts slamming his face into the, into the floor. And she's like, eat the carpet, eat the carpet. <laughs> and and uh, Quagmire comes walking by on the sidewalk and he hears that. And he just goes, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> Oh, you're going to have a fun time chopping this one up. Oh, I know what you're talking about. All right. We'll be right back. All right. Welcome back. Let's go into parenting. So you had an interesting day yesterday from what you were telling me. Well, actually, one of the reasons that uh, we postponed this is because I was wiped uh, we we had a cousin's birthday and we had the opportunity to spend the day on a small little boat in the uh, Newport Beach Harbor and we putted around on a beautiful windy day where on a Patrick McDuffie boat. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That was Duffy. awesome. We're on the Duffy and it was it was beautiful. It was wonderful out there. It was definitely windy. It was windy, but. Uh, everybody was out. All the yachts were out. Everything was fun. But we had three children on this Duffy under the age of eight. And mm. they hadn't seen each other for a while because they've been trapped in COVID world. And it was two, two hours that felt like 10 hours of sit down. No, don't touch that rope. No, don't touch the throttle. Get away from the steering wheel. Don't touch that. Don't throw that overboard. Why are you reaching in the water? Don't do that. Stand up. Go, sit down. Why are you taking off your life vest? Put your life vest back on. Don't you give me that face. Don't put the, put the life vest back on. Okay. Sit down. Don't, don't eat that. Did you, did you spill that? 
Did you spill that over the water? Do you want the fishies to drink that? No, we can't go to the bathroom. We don't have a bathroom on here. And it went on and on and on until your brain melted. <laughs> that's, that's how my day. Two hours of total. That is what it was. Now, I, and I, as I was on there and I was trying to enjoy almost the 30 seconds of peace while sitting out there on the boat, I thought, why do we as parents continue to try to introduce these scenarios to our kids that could honestly care less? And, and we think that we will rekindle some old memory that maybe we had, or we want to continually give them opportunities or give them experiences and what we end up doing is just frustrating ourselves because it's not panning out the way we pictured it in our head that this was going to work out. Thoughts. Whenever you introduce something to a child that you remember loving, I think one, you're correct that there is an age appropriate time to do that. There are certain things that they're not going to enjoy. Uh, I'm going to go out on a limb here and I might be crucified for it bottle of brown at gmail.com don't take your child to disneyland and pay a hundred bucks a ticket before they're five yes i've heard that from virtually every parent there is a level of investment that does not yield a return i've gotten in many a disagreement with the love of my life who has shared the podcast with me over what we should pay for a birthday party that the kids will never remember. Now, granted, you can videotape it and it will be immortalized in the digital form forever. So it's kind of nice to look around and see 20, 30 adults. It's kind of nice to get that, you know, lots of stuff for the kid to open. But at some point, you get what's called a smash cake because, you know, the kids are going to stick their fingers in it. They're not going to use utensils. There's a lot of effort and cost that goes into a birthday party before the age of four that realistically you won't get back. So those are some expensive memories. Bringing a toddler on a Duffy boat with all of the possibilities that they'll go overboard or that you'll want to throw them at some point probably wasn't a good investment in your time. Yeah. No, well, it wasn't. Uh, we got some good pictures. I'm sure somehow my warp mind will uh, forget everything about that trip and look at those pictures and say, oh, boy, did we have a good time on that Duffy boat? I'm glad you mentioned but, that because that's the catch 22. You're going to forget all about this. The only thing that you're going to have to remember it is your exasperated groan right now as we record this. And in a few years, you're going to forget all about it. And you're going to look back at those pictures and go, oh, wasn't that Offy on the Duffy boat? No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. Nope. Nope. But that's not, the beauty of memory. And I completely support your uh, birthdays one through three, possibly four. But birthdays one through three are not for the kids. They're for the parents. Ah, and, true point. True point. And uh, after that, then they, they, they just... They definitely get excited and, and they're psyched about it. And But, you know, even at three, they don't know their birthday's coming. The only reason they do is because you keep telling them it's coming. They, they don't know what a calendar is. Mm -hmm. They barely know what the, they, are you going to give me a present? Great. Awesome. That's about, that's about all they know. But uh, it, it's, I don't know. You I, I think 
which means there's, I, a, there's a variety of things you're not going to run into. But when you have one, you don't have to worry about the fact that my kids have two birthdays because mm -hmm. every time the brother has a birthday, it's where's mine. So at this young age, they effectively have two birthdays. So you don't dial down the presence, so to speak, but you do have to try and bring up the, uh, the branding and the PR of the other brother so that there is something to speak for, because all they're going to do is fight. I don't know if yeah. the name, but boys are absolutely like that. You have the advantage. I, I do say, think that there's an advantage to having at least two when it comes to them entertaining themselves and entertainment doesn't mean they're laughing their heads off. Entertainment means they're punching themselves in the face, but at least they're being busy. And that's something that we don't have that luxury in. It's an interesting you know, way to look at it. She's very much like, hey, it's COVID. You're not letting me play with any friends. Uh, I'm sick of whatever the heck we are doing in this house. Entertain me, entertain me now. We washed a car today. That's what we did. We went out and washed my car. And I didn't even care they got sprayed with a hose because I couldn't listen to her being <laughs> bored one second longer. So I wish that she had a little brother or sister to antagonize and vice versa just to keep her less bored. Because boredom to children... Under the age of 15 is torture. Yeah. Don't hit your kids. Don't yell at them. Make them bored, people. Make them bored. That is just the worst thing you could do to them. Oh, it's like peeling their skin off slowly. Yeah. Yes. My, my uh, why do we have to deal with this moment along the lines of your Duffy boat? Not so much that I introduced this to them, but it was kind of a, you want to give something to the child that earned it. And like I said, you, you have to deal with the repercussions of that. So the nine-year-old is above a certain weight threshold. He's certainly above the age threshold. He's way above the product instructions threshold, and he's above the, the legal statute. So we pulled his car seat that had the five-point harness, and we put in a booster, and we let him use the adult seatbelt. Now, to him, that was graduation from the most prestigious academy on earth. And he <laughs> was over the moon. Like, OMG, I get to use a seatbelt? And you don't realize it as a parent what these little tiny milestones are that are so important. You think, oh, I got you an X toy from this brand. And the kid looks at it and goes, eh. But I get to use the seatbelt now? Super huge. So, of course, the nine-year-old jumps in the booster, super excited to sit in the car, <laughs> puts the seatbelt on, big cookie-eating grin on his face, and then what happens? The five-year-old has Chernobyl. <laughs> what is he going to do? And it's every excuse he can think of kind of as like one of those mashups where they go from song to song to song. That's what it was. <laughs> I'm going to pull every lever I possibly can that's yeah, ever worked just, against my parents. And at some point you just kind of close the door and then you hear the, <laughs> you know, because there is no soundproof vehicle on this planet. <laughs> so if you want we, to invent it, we had to force a compromise. So what I did was rather than the booster, which was just the seat by itself, I found the back on the booster. And so the chair itself isn't attached. You know, you have those hooks that you put in the seat. The chair's not attached. He still uses the seatbelt. I went and grabbed 
the child seat, which is one of those convertible ones that will eventually become a booster. And I took the five point harness out. So it's still the solid latched into the car seat, but rather than the five point, he gets to use the regular seatbelt. And so I picked up the kids today and I said, I got a surprise, which is dumb. Don't do that. Never surprise them unless you're absolutely positive. They're going to like it. And I marched them out to the car and they got in and the five-year-old was over the moon because we latched him in with the seatbelt. Now, for those of you keeping score, yes, between the ages of five and seven, if you have a full car seat, you can employ the regular seatbelt. That's perfectly fine according to code and the instructions on the product. The addition of the back to the nine-year-old's booster now cut me off at the knees. So now I had still one unhappy child, but the nine-year-old uses logic so you can reason with him. Finally, I got home. And by the time I got home, I said to the five-year-old, is it, is it just the belt? Is that what it is? He's like, yeah, I got the belt. I said, so do you care if your brother has the back on his chair? No. All right. So I took the back off the chair. And now the nine-year-old's in a booster with the seatbelt and the five-year-old's in the car seat with the seatbelt. And they're perfectly safe and everything is to code and all is well. Mind well, you, first, I want a two-day journey. I want to say kudos for your parenting style because there's a lot of people, including myself, that my gut reaction is shut the heck up. Shut up, kid. You'll grow up in four years and two years. That'll be your opportunity to do this too. It, you just want to say that so bad, but because you've been through it and it's something that we've been struggling with a lot is telling kids this is how it is. doesn't work. That's not a thing. That's not a thing that, kids will accept. And let's not forget that kids are just small adults. And if anybody's telling a, an adult, here's what you're going to do. Here's how you're going to do it. Here's what you're going to like. You're going to do it because I say so. They're not going to. They're not going to. They're not going to like it. And what you're inevitably going to end up getting is as soon as your kid has the opportunity to not be around you, they're going to be. And you're going to completely sever any relationship you, you had with them. And it doesn't, you know, you don't want to be their buddy. You don't want to be, you know, their best friend. You want to be their parent, but creative things like what you did with the seats. I want to commend you. That's, that's amazing. Cause that's, that's not my go-to, although that's the one after the blow up happens. I wish, God, why didn't I think of a better way to handle that situation? So it's not a democracy, but I had to try and find some kind of, give that again there was not there was not parody but in the eyes of the child maybe there was and then eventually you nail down to what it was they really wanted it's like all right well that's safe i'll do that that's fine well we've all heard uh i this is not a democracy this is a dictatorship but everyone knows that dictators eventually fall yeah. so be yeah. careful when you use that line <laughs> the united states of dad until there's a coup that's right uh, I used to remember when I was, I was actually a pretty smart little teenager. And when it came down to it, if I wanted something, I knew that I was, uh, I had leverage over my parents. And one time I told my dad, I was like, all right, you, I, you can not do this or you can, but if you do just know, I'll take care of you. But if not, I'll put you in a home. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, 12 and I pulled that line out and I cut them deep. So just know well, the, that the I'll put you in a home doesn't really hit home until they're in their nineties. Cause then they know then that shit's real. 
<laughs> All right, I'm going to close out this episode with something I got from a parenting site. What are the 10 principles of good parenting? Now, you can agree with this or not. Perfectly fine. But I think it's worthy of a discussion as we close out this week's episode. Out of the 10 things, let's start with number one. What you do matters, which is interesting because I think it's a good segue from what you just said. They're always watching. They get it. They're paying attention. What you do matters. Number two, I firmly believe in this. You cannot be too loving. It's simply nope. not possible to spoil a child with love. What we often think of as the product of spoiling a child is never the result of showing a child too much love. It's usually the consequence of giving a child things in place of love, things like leniency, lowered expectations, or material possessions. Again, I want to hit on those three things because it goes to what you were saying. Leniency, lowered expectations, and material possessions. Don't do it. Give them love. Number three, be involved in your child's life. We've talked about that many times. Number four, adapt your parenting to fit your child. That's probably the lesson that I took from the seatbelt fiasco. Yeah, I was going to say that. That's exactly what you did. Number five, establish and set rules. If you don't manage your child's behavior when they're young, they'll have a hard time learning how to manage themselves when they're older. We've talked about that before on the show. Foster your child's independence. Good one for you. Yep. Setting limits helps your child develop a sense of self-control. Encouraging independence helps them develop a sense of self-direction. To be successful in life, they're going to need both. Here's the toughest one as parents. Be consistent. How many times have you failed? All the time. Constantly. Constantly. And I think part of that point alone is... When you are going to say this is going to happen, if you do this, then this is the consequence. You have to be consistent in that. So it that is where I fail the most. And and by the way, not that dogs are the same as kids, but it's very similar when you go through dog training, be consistent. Don't yell at your dog for eating out of your hand one day or off the floor under your table and then let them do it the next day. It's confusing as hell to them. It's the same with a kid. Be consistent. It's in all aspects. Their little brains are developing. So they need to understand that this is going to be the way it always is. Water's always wet. Sky's always blue. Uh, number eight, avoid harsh discipline. We've touched on this a couple of times during the podcast, and it's going to be a consistent rule that I firmly agree with. And I think Leon, you're with me on this. Boredom is your most powerful weapon. Don't hit. Don't yell. Don't use guilt. Mm -mm. Yep. Kids don't understand how to reason like adults. You can speak to them like adults, but don't expect them to think like adults. Uh, which gets into nine and 10, which I think are kind of combined. So nine is explain your rules and decisions. And 10 is to treat your children with respect. So what I, what I tell my kids is do what I ask you to do. Then I'll explain why. If you ask me why you're delaying the inevitable because you're going to have to do what I tell you to do, but I will always explain it to you and I will treat you with respect in my explanation. You, you nailed it. You absolutely nailed it because that's what you have to do. You have to take the time to help them understand. And again, my brilliant wife 
uh, brought it up the other day that they don't necessarily process what you're saying as fast as you think they do. So sometimes you repeat things over and over. I told you to do this. And, you know, hey, English is my first language and has been for the last 40 years, but it hasn't been theirs. So let them process what you're asking them to do. Now, sometimes they're just straight ignoring you, but give them the chance to comprehend what you just said. And that will be a, a game changer for you. That's my two cents. Well, my friend, I think that's a good place to wrap it up. Hey, it's been a pleasure. Uh, this was a fun one tonight. This was, uh, yeah, we went a little off the rails in this uh, brown bulletin, but uh, it could be interesting. I got to tell you, next week I'm going to be up in Flagstaff trying to enjoy some of the snow. Uh, that's Big Bear for you. Good for you. But for us, it's Flagstaff. It takes two I love it up there. You get there and they got some snow. So I love it up there. Get a cabin. And if we're lucky, they have Wi-Fi. If so, maybe our next Brown Bulletin will be with General Tizzo. Ooh, fun. Could be tons of fun. That sounds really fun. Hey, I will tell you, I, I listened to um, the recent one with uh, Jones and Ziggy. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you are going to have any more political debates, I demand that I'm invited to that platform because Ooh, three of you that just agree with the same BS isn't a great, great show. You need to have someone like me come in there and tell you guys how wrong you are. Well, I don't always agree with them, but the necessary of being a good <laughs> host is that I'm not giving my opinion. Great opinion. <laughs> I love you, brother. Journalistic have integrity. a good night. Have a safe trip. You too, sir. All right. Talk to you next time. See ya. All right. Bye. This place is dead anyway, man. <laughs>